Thank you for listening to this new episode of the podcast, By the Still Water. It is our intent that these messages be an encouragement in your search for the God of heaven. Thank you for listening. Sometimes the most important word we can say is no. In the nation of Iraq, just south of the city of Baghdad, is a collection of ruins. They are all that remain of one of the most significant cities in human history. Centuries before Rome, it was the city that came to symbolize imperial power in the ancient world. From this place, Hammurabi would write one of the most influential law codes in history. From this city would come a number of advances in medicine, astronomy, and mathematics. It served as the capital of not just one, but two great kingdoms. The city would become the epicenter of the struggle to control a third empire, one that had only just been established by the man known as Alexander the Great. Many threads of history run through these ancient ruins of the mighty city. This was the city of Babylon. At one point, it was the largest and most populous city in the world. At the height of its power, the walls would have been massive, and the defenses layered by having multiple walls like concentric rings. There were markets, shops, and craftsmen, as well as travelers and merchants from as far away as China and Egypt. Babylon also housed many temples and shrines to a pantheon of gods. Some of those temples were massive with statues almost a hundred feet high and covered in gold and gemstones. There were at least three palaces and untold works of art and architecture. This was the world of one of the greatest kings in history, a man named Nebuchadnezzar. And into the huge mass of people, excitement, wealth, and sensuality, four teenage boys were given the opportunity to indulge themselves, but said no. One of Nebuchadnezzar's military achievements was the capture of Jerusalem. Actually, he attacked and defeated Jerusalem three times. The last time Nebuchadnezzar attacked, he destroyed the temple that had been built by King Solomon and tore down the walls. The second time, he took most of the population captive and used them as forced labor. But the first time that the army of Babylon attacked, the city of Jerusalem offered tribute to keep the city from being destroyed. Part of that tribute was a group of young men, including a young boy named Daniel. It is hard for us to understand why that the most powerful kingdom in the world would want a group of teenage boys. Well, for starters, that was not all they took. Many of the gold objects that had been in the temple were taken away, and many other treasures as well. But the people, as tribute, were also mentioned. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief official, to bring some of the people of Jerusalem, both the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Notice that the description includes the idea that those taken were skillful, knowledgeable, able to learn, and competent to work in the king's palace. In other words, 
King Nebuchadnezzar took the very best of the upcoming generation back to Babylon. But why? There are a couple of reasons. One is that the best and the brightest would be the ones that could possibly lead a successful rebellion against the king. By removing them from Jerusalem, they were effectively neutralized from trying to lead a revolt. Second, and more important, King Nebuchadnezzar had work for them to do. An empire the size of the one controlled by Babylon needed many administrators. The king instructed that these young men be educated for three years in the language and history of the empire with an eye for their future employment. They would become the civil servants of and for the nation of Babylon. This makes sense on a number of different levels. These men would be judged by their ability and not by family ties to the king or to court officials. Also, they did not present a threat to the king. One of the principal threats to a king like Nebuchadnezzar was that a government official, a general, or maybe even a member of their own family would try and overthrow him. Many empires were toppled from within by a brother or son plotting behind the back of the king to take over. The more power they had while working in the daily affairs of the kingdom, the more power and influence they could gather, and the more they could threaten the current ruler. By employing outsiders, such as these Judean young men, in the daily operation of the empire, the more the king could maintain personal control. Nebuchadnezzar picked the brightest men to educate and employ, but because they were foreigners, they could not take his place. But four of these young men were extraordinary. We see that in the choices that they made a long way from home. They would choose not to forget their home, their family, and most importantly, their God. The instructions concerning these young men included that they were to eat from the king's food and the wine that the king drank. So consider the situation. You are a teenager. You have been taken from your parents and sent to the largest city in the world under the protection of the king. You have been instructed to eat and drink the best food and wine available, while being re-educated in the lifestyle, culture, and practices of your captors. Given unlimited access to these excesses, what would most young men do? If that is a hard question to answer, take a look at what happens when young adults today go off to college. The most common stories are of the parties, the drug use, and drinking by college freshmen. Can you imagine if the colleges actually encouraged this behavior? That was the situation with the government officials that had been put in charge of the captives. They were told that it was their duty to indoctrinate them into the Babylonian lifestyle. But Daniel and his friends made a bold choice, and that choice began when they made up their minds. They asked that they be given food that would not violate the Jewish dietary laws and preserve their identity as the heirs of the promise of Abraham, Joseph, and David. They had been taught the story of Joseph, a man that had lived more than a thousand years earlier, sold as a slave into Egypt, but a man that maintained his moral compass. They had been told of King David and his relationship with the God of heaven, and that he had not been abandoned even in difficult circumstances. They had even sung some of King David's songs. As captives, they were far from Jerusalem, but not far from God. They made up their minds 
to still trust and walk with God. Ten days later, the officials in charge of the captives compared these four men that were eating vegetables to the others. They looked stronger and they looked healthier. So for the next three years, the four were given the chance to keep their relationship with God intact. And when they were interviewed at the end of those three years by the great King Nebuchadnezzar, they were considered the best of the best and given great responsibilities. Those responsibilities would last for many years. This is a summation of the events from the first chapter of the book of Daniel. Now, before you think that this is just legend, consider the ruins just outside of Baghdad. In the history of the ancient world, few are known better than King Nebuchadnezzar. And few cities are known as well as Babylon. Also, many years later, the fall of Babylon to the Medes and the Persians would happen in just one night, a story that is known. And Daniel, now an old man, would be there, and his reputation would still be intact. There are a number of places that the character of Daniel and his friends are mentioned. Even though they were in a position of power and authority, they did not take bribes or steal. Many that were corrupt saw their honesty as a threat and tried to bring them down, but they still said no. They had made up their minds and would not compromise. At one point, even King Nebuchadnezzar threatened them if they did not worship the gods of the city of Babylon, yet they still said no. What can we make of all this? Well, it would be hard to judge one place worse than another. In the New Testament, the city of Corinth was famous for its immoral culture. And let's not forget Rome. Yet there were believers and followers of the God of heaven in those cities as well. How did they do that? One way was to look back at the story of Daniel and his friends, men that faced the worst of the Babylonian culture and wickedness, and still said, no. Paul urges the believers to have this same mindset. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also Put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman. But Christ is all and in all. In many ways, Daniel could have written these words to his friends 500 years before. To a man that had the reputation of honesty and integrity, even the statement about there being no distinction in the eyes of God between the nationalities, the ethnic groups, or social classes would have been familiar. But what about today? Does evil exist in your town or in your city? Yes. Does corruption and fraud exist? Yes, it does. How about greed, immorality, lying, 
hatred or slander. You bet. But we can respond in the same way as Daniel. We can make up our minds that our life will not be consumed by the choices of culture or evil influences. We can listen to the words of Paul knowing that the God of Daniel is the God of Abraham and the God of David and the God of Paul. We can make up our minds to follow a different path. The ruins of Babylon are silent, but the example of Daniel is not. When confronted with evil or wickedness, we need to remember Daniel and see the walls of Babylon and have the courage, like Daniel, to say, No. Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true Word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Still Water Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening.